Best country solo performance on the Grammy prediction afternoon on Alt 98.7. Chris Stapleton. And either way will be the winner of best country solo performance. And the Grammy goes to my man, Mr. Chris Stapleton. Here's my prediction. It will be a travesty of popular music justice. If feel it still from Portugal, the man doesn't win. So that's my prediction. Portugal, the man. Feel It Still, Best Pop Duo and Group Performance winner at the Grammys. Mark it down. I am the smartest man alive! Kesha and Rainbow will win Best Pop Vocal Album. You heard it here first. And the Grammy goes to Shape of You, Ed Sheeran. Gotta go with Kendrick Lamar this time. Best Rap Performance. The winner of the Grammys on Sunday will be Kendrick Lamar. Damn, I'm good! I'm going to go with Arcade Fire, Everything Now will be the winner of Best Alternative Music Album at the Grammys. Put it in ink. You heard it here first. Wrong. So, Record of the Year is 24 Karat Magic. Bruno Mars will win Record of the Year. And the Grammy goes to 24 Karat Magic. Bruno Mars. You win. Chisel it in stone. Write it in ink. Kendrick Lamar, damn, is Album of the Year. And the Grammy goes to 24 Karat Magic Bruno Mars. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> what the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. You're like Brian. What's your deal, man? Well, you know what us ultra-liberals say. When it comes to drugs, lies are okay. Your midweek download destination. Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanooga. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years... Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to this supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air Podcast. My name is Brian. Podcast recorded live to tape in the palatial home studios in stunningly gorgeous Eastridge, Tennessee. Incredible landscape we have here on this side of the Chattanooga area. This is the Stone On Air Podcast. I am an advocate for East Ridge. I don't hate this place at all. It's got its problems and a whole damn lot of them. Good city services, though. Good overall run government for the most part. Seem to be spending money to a certain degree wisely. Of course, you can never be too sure without investigative journalism or research, which I don't have the time nor the care to do. As long as my bottom line looks all right where I'm at, I'm generally pretty happy. I don't want to say East Ridge, Tennessee, back when I used to care more about what people think. Oh, I don't want to tell them I live in East Ridge. They might think I'm like a loser or something. Wasn't that long ago I still cared about that kind of stuff. I used to say the foot of Missionary Ridge because it actually is. I live in a very uh, interesting area. I never remember uh, which radio show or which podcast or where I'm at when I tell certain uh, stories or certain anecdotal things. So if I've said this before um, on one of these shows, I apologize. But where I'm at, I am in a neighborhood that can have... 
uh, and it's not really a neighborhood, just an area with lots of different properties, mostly um, mostly home ownership, but there's still a few rentals around here too. But in one block, you can have $130,000 properties, and not even a, about half a block away, you could have $90,000 properties. And then two-thirds of a block or a block and a half or so the other way, you can have quarter of a million-dollar properties. And then if you just step right out and you go right up the hill, right up to the top of Missionary Ridge, you're talking about half a million to million-plus-dollar properties. So in all that area, it's it's very interesting. It's very difficult, like the uh, the, the Zillows out there, the different kind of services that give you um, uh, evaluations on your on your property value it is very difficult to go that route when you're in uh, this area because I don't I don't guess that's bad. It's it's certainly not really really good, but it's better than living around a bunch of slums and shitholes. I guess now that's cool to say shithole whenever we want. Uh, let's see what are we doing today. The uh, State of the Union was last night. Of course, this podcast comes out every single Wednesday first thing in the morning. And sometimes I have time to get in whatever happened late Tuesday night. Sometimes I don't. And even if I did have time, I wasn't going to spend much time at the State of the Union address. It's not because Don Trump is the president. It's because I never spend a lot of time with the State of the Union address. There's not much going on here. Same old thing. Same old dog and pony show. And that's what it is tonight. So it's on in the background while I do it. So if anything massive happened from that, which it never does, um, I miss that. I also saw as I was perusing social media earlier that uh, Riverbend has a couple of probably most likely crappy announcements at midnight Tuesday into Wednesday of the final week of January for a couple of uh, headliner acts and a couple of smaller stage acts. I'm sure uh, it'll totally suck, just like Riverbend always does. Let's see. What else? So as I mentioned, the studios... Um, you know, palatial, quote-unquote. I actually did do all weekend long. I made a checklist, cleaned up around the house, got a bunch of stuff done, set up some microphones. I don't ever have anybody over, but if I did, you'd be comfortable and we could do a show. I'd like to invite more people over to do shows. It's just kind of uh, it's kind of inconvenient for people to do. But So the studios are, are uh, working very well here at the house. Uh, palatial might be a stretch for a word to use, but uh, nonetheless, it's, uh, it's, it's working out pretty well. Okay, I watched the Grammys on Sunday. That was a waste of damn time, an absolute waste of time. I have never watched the Grammys without watching it on tape delay to just fast forward to watch the uh, performances, But because sometimes there's a handful that are pretty good. But I watched the whole thing and uh, because I was doing some prep work for uh, the radio station over at Alt 98.7. And, you know, whatever. I didn't have much else better to do, but... Woo, that stuff is hard to watch. And then, yeah, if you're, you know, if you don't want to see political mess, that, then you need to stay away from the Grammys because that's what they did. They didn't say a whole lot that I didn't agree with, but I can understand why somebody would not want to uh, be involved with that. And one more little quick uh, blurb here: website is uh, currently on hold. <laughs> I have been talking about that for months and months and months and months, and I have decided to put a pin in it. I'm not spending any more money on it. I'm going to let the, the, the website as it stands stay uh, dormant, stonearnair.com. I don't suggest you go there. There's no reason to. Later on in the year, I'll consider refunding that idea. And maybe even tell the tale as to why it's been such an absolute damn disaster. All right, let's see. So what's going on? The final segment of the show today, 
I am going to get into the Larry Nasser, USA Gymnastics, and Michigan State overall uh, mess. I'm not going to really do it from a, you know, here's all the facts, here's the timeline, let me tell you what I think about this awful guy. You know, that's what everybody else has been doing uh, for the last, you know, month, when the last year they could have been doing that, and nobody seemed to care. It's going to be part of the angle I take. I'll do that in the final segment of the show, and everybody seems to be searching for answers, but consistently asking the wrong questions in stone's throw commercials advertising and the super bowl as the super bowl is coming up here this weekend depending on when you are listening to this so i figured this would be a time to go down that road a little fluff piece to be sure but we claim to hate commercials we want commercial free music we want commercial free this commercial free that in the end i'm not so sure about that i don't know that we hate commercials that much at all we'll do that in stone's throw and then a couple of quick things here, and then I'm going to get into this uh, Benjamin Brewer guilty on all charges of the I-75 crash back in June of 2015, which has been one of those stories, one of those horrific events that has stuck with me ever since then, and I've followed the case, and even when the case wasn't in the news, it was still something I thought about because it was one of the most terrifying stories that's happened around here in Chattanooga a long time, and it got kind of swept under the rug as far as emotional concern, because of the Fallen Five and the the July of 2015 uh, shooting over in Amnicola is what I believe. We'll get into more of that here in just a couple of minutes. First, I want to start with two things. CFC versus Dallas, Saturday, the, February the 3rd. Looking forward to getting soccer back in town. Uh, everybody knows that listens to this. I'm a big fan of this product and the people who run it, And I, but I finally got myself under control. I'm not going to go. I cannot go because the game starts at noon. And I got a lot of good friends out there that was Chattahooligans, and they like to party. And I like to party, too. Not as much as I used to, but I still do. And I cannot be drinking at 9, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Can't do it. The Chattahooligans wrap up and head on into the stadium, I don't know, at least 30 minutes before the game, if not even a little sooner than that. So that means their tailgate will be wrapping up around 11 a.m. That means they'll be there at probably 7 or 8 a.m. Now, of course, hey, Brian, you don't have to go that early. Of course, I don't have to but I'm going to. And then by the time the game's halfway through and certainly by the end, I will be a drunk mess and there'll be too much day left. I cannot do it. I will not do it. I'm going to have to skip this game, but I I encourage you to go and I wish a huge crowd and a bunch of fun and I don't need to wish it. It's going to happen. It always does. And daylight savings time. This right here, guys. This is what I'm talking about right here. I saw this in the Times Free Press on my way out the door uh, to record the podcast tonight. If Bill passes, it's daylight savings time in Tennessee. Wait for it. Permanently. Permanently. And this is the big thing I've had over the years. I've been bitching and moaning and and doing segments on daylight savings time standard and, and the differences and the pros and the cons. And I've always said, well, we really don't want to eliminate the time change because if we do... Because old traditionalists are always legislators. We'll go back to the standard time, which is what we're in right now, which, I mean, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. I'm not a fan of. State Rep Rick Tillis, whose district includes part of Marion and Franklin counties, has introduced a bill to make daylight savings time permanent in Tennessee. Of course, I said it wrong. It's daylight saving time. Quote, I believe a switch to year-round daylight saving time will have a remarkable impact on our state. Tillis said in a news release Monday, the extra hour of daylight should enhance the health and overall quality of life of our residents by encouraging them to become more active and also spend extra time supporting our local businesses. 
Uh, other sponsors of the bill are Dan Howe from Cleveland, Cameron Sexton from Crossville, Mike Carter from Ottawa, Patsy Hazelwood from Signal Mountain. The companion Senate bill is sponsored by Senate Senator Steve Dickerson from Nashville. Most of these are all Republicans. Jesus Christ. I'd, I'd vote for one of these people for president if they can get this through. If the measure becomes law, Tennessee would remain on daylight saving time throughout the year, something Hawaii and Arizona already do. It doesn't affect them. It doesn't mess them up. They don't have to do it. They don't have to ever have a drastic change twice a year. And there's no reason to do this. It's early 20th century stuff, late, late 19th century stuff. It doesn't mean a damn thing now. What we need to do is let our bodies naturally adjust and adapt to the way that the solar system works, the way the sun and the moon and all and the earth all rotates around each other. However it is, I'm not a scientist. That's how the times change. Yeah, it doesn't, because when it falls back an hour, think about it, when it jumps forward an hour or falls back an hour, it, it seems like this huge shock to the system. But it's only one hour. I mean, one hour is not that big a deal. But what happens is, is in June and July and August, especially in June when the solstice is, in the eastern time zone, it is light or at least dusk at around 9 o'clock. Well, by the time we roll them back, that's about, or whatever we do, which it would change them, change it, go back to standard time. Your body has adjusted to the way the sun is already beginning to set. It's not nine anymore. It's not even eight anymore. It's probably more like, I guess it's more like 730 or even closer to just seven. And so you, but your memory is that, well, it wasn't that long ago and it was light until really late. And then all of a sudden it drops back, it falls back and you lose that hour, and all of a sudden it's 5.15 and it's dark. And you're thinking, we just fell back four hours. Well, no, you didn't fall back four hours. You just fell back one. Your body naturally adapted to the way the sun has been setting over the course of the last three months. But when you throw that extra hour in there for a shock to the system, it makes this kind of false sense of, whoa, we just lost like three hours of light. And the same thing on the other end. When you jump ahead all of a sudden, we're adaptive creatures, we will adapt to our surroundings. It is actually quite remarkable of the of the human race, of really all living things, and how you adapt to your surroundings. When you throw a spike in there, a, a, a jolt, you know, the artificially made by a legislation or some kind of a regulation, it all of a sudden throws everybody for a loop. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, we got to fall. The, the clock's got to go back. Oh man, now the clock's got to go forward. I lose an hour of sleep. We eliminate all that. Eliminate all of that by just not participating anymore. We don't have any reason to do it. So all the local legislators in the area, in the state of Tennessee, Dan Howe, Cameron Sexton, Carter, Hazelwood, Dickerson, get this done and then run for president of the United States and I will vote for you every single time. It is just plain simple. Do it. Nobody's going to care. Everybody will be happy. All right, so let's tra- uh, let's let's transition here into what I I found to be a, a a really really big and important very important story for the last uh, going on uh, two and a half years that while the trial was going down here locally, it did actually get quite a bit of media of attention. I don't know how many people uh, you know were too busy uh, dicking around with f- fake news and memes and jokes and stupid stuff on Facebook, so I'm not sure how many people actually paid attention to it. But kudos to the local. Um, couple of the local TV stations, I don't remember which ones did which, but uh, a few of them were on it, and the Times Free Press as well. So good job. I'm sometimes hating on a lot of local uh, media. Give me some credit. 
I am actually giving a bunch of local media a lot of credit for doing a good job. Ben Brewer, found guilty on all accounts, faces up to 72 years in prison for fatal I-75 crash. Now, does this dude, he looks like he's probably, I think he's in his 40s. Does he deserve 72 years in prison? Because if he actually went 72 years, that means he's getting life. Do I do I think he deserves that? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not sure, and I don't I don't care about that as much. That's up for the courts to continue to uh, to to figure out. There's going to be an appeal, of course. It's going to drag out for a while. But should he be punished? Yes. Should the trucking company that he works for be punished? Yes. Why? Because these trucks on these roads and the roads themselves, the interstate system, the amazing interstate system that was designed by the great. President Eisenhower, or at least his administration, that absolutely turned America into an absolutely booming worldwide success, are this are just that a great thing? And you know what else they are? Human death highways, human death traps, and we do not put enough emphasis on safety and and accountability for people on the roads. And a lot of my my venom for this and overall strong opinion on this concept is when we go back and talk about DUI laws and how we absolutely ruin people's lives because of a, of a, of a percentage of your, of your blood, regardless of what, how dangerous you are or aren't, we make examples of you, potentially bury you financially, oftentimes can lose your employment. It is a devastating thing to happen to an American is to get a DUI. And, and, and that's fine. Okay, I'll give you that. But there's also countless other ways that people are on the roads terrorizing people and not sometimes not even knowing it because we don't put any emphasis on safety in other areas. And distracted driving with your, with you know your mobile device and your cell phone is one of the biggest things, which I'll, I'll, I'll save that rant for another time. But it comes all the way down to distracted driving on so many different levels, pain medications, drowsiness. And when it comes really, really what needs to be put emphasis on here, and this goes back to this guy's company, Cool Runnings Express or something like that is what it's called, is not regulating your fleet out there on the roads. E-commerce is at its all-time high, and there is no sign of it slowing down. Amazon is taking over the world. We're a bunch of lazy assholes. We don't want to leave the house. We want everything brought to us. And that's fine, and I'm cool with that. Countless times when I head downtown and I go through the tunnels from East Ridge and I jump on 24 and it's backed up coming towards the, the Ridge Cut, coming from Nashville, and, and it's pretty backed up or to stand still. I've driven by and just counted all the, the, the 18-wheelers and semi-trucks on the road. I've counted into the hundreds just going from the Ridge Cut to the split to go into downtown. Hundreds of truck th- trucks. They're all on the road. It is booming big business, and it's going to stay that way. And you know how many, how often the, these companies don't regulate their, their trucks on, and their fleet on the roads? You'd be shocked to know how much there's fraudulent numbers, fraudulent books, fraudulent log books. This happens all the time. I've been sitting around in a, in a room for the last 16 years doing reconciliation of invoices with truck drivers, with CDL licenses. I would say... I would, I'm making up numbers here. I've probably met 250 to 300 different people in the last decade and a half, and they all have commercial driver's license. And you know how many of them were over the road? I'll just take a guess at probably a simple majority. Probably a little over 50% of everybody I've met over all these years have been over the road, meaning long-haul truck driving and, and deliveries from, uh, from just regional to national. I've, I've had these these stories being told even if I didn't have any damn interest in hearing them because the guys just sit around and talk. The stories 
are horrifying at times, funny at others, and just plain dangerous in many others as well. And I'll leave that anecdote there and just leave it sitting over there in the corner. Trust me, I've heard some stories that will scare the hell out of you. So we'll go to the story. Benjamin Scott Brewer, 42, guilty of 12 crimes in the June 25th, 2015 deadly crash on Interstate 75 that killed six people. I don't, I'm not going to give you their whole names. We'll just go quickly. Jason, Brian, Tiffany, Sandra, Kelsey, and Savannah. Their ages respectively are 36, 37, 31, 50, 11, and 9. From the story from the Times Free Press, Brewer ignored construction signs and crashed into a standstill traffic, never once tapping his brakes for 453 feet and impaired with methamphetamine, at least traces of methamphetamine. Brewer, who's back in the Hamilton County Jail, is guilty of six counts of vehicular homicide, four counts of reckless aggravated assault, and one count each of speeding and driving under the influence. And the other day after this story, was the, the trial wasn't over yet. Now, I, I got stuck on uh, 27 for a minute when they went down to one lane. And I was it wasn't standstill, but it was close. And it just I was on my mind a lot that week. And I just got to thinking... Okay, I'm not barely moving here. Imagine, and I got a little tiny little roller skate of a car, a little Toyota Echo. Imagine if all of a sudden I look up in my rearview mirror, whether I got a seatbelt on or not. I got nowhere to go. Cars in front of me, barricades to the left, cars to the right. And I look up in behind me and I see a tractor trailer, an 18-wheel death machine coming directly at my rear at between 75 and 80 miles an hour. It gave me it gave me chills, shivers. It scared the shit out of me just thinking about the carnage f- for the next 453 feet as this as this truck plows through this this ma- and this is I75 where this happened. I'm on 27 down to one lane. It's horrifying. It's terrifying. It's nightmare inducing. Just think about it. Six people just sitting there, almost a couple of them traveling through, a couple others from Cleveland to Udawah, just about ready to get home but had to stop in this traffic for a minute. They had huge signs. It's been a construction zone for the last half decade. Trucks up and down the roads get these warnings. Even if they don't have smartphones, they have the CB radios. They have no reason to not know where these spots are unless you've been driving for many hours over your log times, falsifying your books, and you're high, and and you have a, a, a history of crashes and wrecks and you work for a company that doesn't have adequate records of their drivers which i'll get to more in a minute now a few weeks later the shootings over amnicola highway happened those awful shootings of the the fallen five they deserve to be memorialized that was a horrific a horrific situation but you know who doesn't get a memorial you know who nobody knows who is who they are where they came from what they were doing, what their goals and aspirations were. You know who doesn't have a mural painted on the side of, uh, of some art district wall in downtown Chattanooga? You know who doesn't get a, a, a memorial concert every year? You know who doesn't get a newspaper article headline or a, or, a, or a Facebook page? Jason, Brian, Tiffany, Sandra, Kelsey, and Savannah, ages 36, 37, 31, 50, 11, and 9 years old. You never heard of any of them. And they were living just as quality and impactful lives, potentially, as anybody was over in Amnicola Highway. And I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm just saying these are things that I can identify with that scare the hell out of me. 
These are the things that need more attention, that need to be talked about more. That's why I'm doing it kind of sternly. I can't identify with somebody who's in the armed services or at a, a military installation. I don't know anything about that. I've never done that before. I'm never going to do that. Good for them. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for their service and for their, and for their life choices that, that, that certainly seem to be uh, impactful. But it doesn't mean all that much to me. You know what means something to me? You know what scares the shit out of me? Sitting on the interstate in a standstill because I can't get around because they're construction and I can't go anywhere. And if a 75 to 80 mile an hour Optimus Prime death machine 18 wheeler is going to plow into the back of me, I'm dead. Boom. I'm dead. I have the entire highway accident report, like the official one. I downloaded it from wherever I found it. It's like 20 something odd pages long detailing every square inch of the of the wreckage pictures of all the cars they're little accordions it's a it's a wonder that only six people died people are 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 a menace to society on the roads every day and and trucking companies need to get their damn acts together stop falsifying their records stop falsifying their time logs i know it happens every single day and virtually I won't say every company, but a damn lot of them. It is a common practice. Drivers hopped up on on over-the-counter stimulants, often under-the-counter stimulants, and inadequate drug testing policies are the norm. They're not the outlier. It's dangerous stuff. Very, very, very dangerous stuff. This is from the executive summary of the crash in 2015. Uh, probable cause, the truck driver did not respond to the slowed traffic and the formation of the traffic queue. His lack of evasive steering maneuvers or emergency braking indicates a performance dec- decrement, which was likely associated with fatigue and methamphetamine use. Then it goes on for two more categories. I won't bore you with all the, the jargon. Uh, limitations of current drug testing programs and inadequacy of driver license records and background checks. A couple more pages from the official highway accident report. Uh, some of TDOT rules, investigators found that Ben Brewer's logbook contained false entries. And as according to hours of service, a driver must take 10 consecutive hours off before totaling 11 total hours over a period of 14 consecutive hours. Basically, you have to have 10 hours off before you can have a long extended run of up to 11 hours. At the time of the I-75 crash, he had driven more than 500 miles and had been on duty or driving for 14 hours and 40 minutes from the highway accident report. According to Commercial Driver's License Information System, dated June 26, 2015, the accident driver had one speeding violation and was involved in seven non-injury motor vehicle crashes from 2011 to 2015. Seven crashes in a four-year period. Three of the seven were involved with commercial motorized vehicles. Four years, seven crashes, three while on a commercial driver's license, commercial motorized vehicle. This guy clearly had no business being on the road or even worse, being employed to, tr- to transport regionally or anywhere more than just down the street. Last one here and then I'll move along. It's from the post-crash interviews section. Investigators also interviewed a driver who was traveling north on I-75 just prior to the crash, and he observed a tractor-trailer approaching from the rear, passing him and moving into the center lane, traveling 75 to 80 miles per hour. Tractor-trailer making several lane changes, moving to and from the left travel lane. Highway signs warning of road construction and stop traffic were ahead. On approach to exit 11, 
the tractor trailer showed no brake lights. This guy did not, by all accounts, by all by all investigative measures and, and understanding, did not even tap his brakes. Went the length of a football field and a half, smashing countless amounts of cars. That is still a wonder there wasn't more dead than just six. Creating an inferno of explosions and nightmarish scene with a, blo- a, a shutdown major huge artery of the south interstate for 15 hours and killing jason brian tiffany sandra kelsey and savannah ages 36 37 31 50 11 and nine years old yeah i can identify with that that scares the shit out of me heads up Stone's throw. What? What? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? All right, so kind of serious topics bookended here. With a middle stone throw section that's not even kind of serious. Super Bowl coming up. Truly one of my favorite days of the year. I, I'm a I'm not a massively huge NFL fan. I really like the Titans. Regulars know that. I, I spend a lot of money to, uh, to, to go to Titans games and to spend time in Nashville. Partially because I love the community. I love the city. And I have a lot of friends there. So it all works together and it's able... A good way for me to escape and get away from Chattanooga, which I dearly love. But after a while, you know, you've been here for, you know, 20, 35 years. You sometimes want to go do something else and kind of get away from and know that even if you do run into somebody, the chances are you'll like them. And that's kind of how it works out in Nashville. Doesn't always work out that way here. So I do a lot of that, but I'm not, I'm not this huge NFL fan. I don't play. I don't play fantasy football. I, I try. I did for a couple of years, and it's such a bore. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't like it at all. Um, I don't watch Sunday night football just for the sake of it. I never watch Monday night football. Um, occasionally on Thursday night, I might just because it's Thursday and there's not a lot else on. And uh, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those background kind of things. I I, I know who wins generally. I keep up with what some of the best players are doing but outside of that I'm not all that concerned about it but I really do love the Super Bowl it is so much fun to me it's 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 holiday is you know it's 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 a it's 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 a festive event it's gathering of friends and family it's just like a good holiday uh it's kind of like a to me it's like a a, a more uh, loose and fun Thanksgiving kind of and, you know you gather with the people you really enjoy being around you Throw a few bucks down on some Super Bowl squares. You might win a couple of bucks. Really low, low stake gambling. You might, uh, you might, and if you lose anything, it's just a couple of dollars. And there's a great spread of food. And I've been really lucky to have a long run, really going on a 20 year run, 15 at least, of always having a great Super Bowl Sunday. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do this year. Um, I've got a couple of different options, and I'm convinced it's going to work out pretty good. But I always use it as an example. To, to, to try to figure out what people are talking about because people watch this for different reasons. And I, I get this is this is the outlier. This is the exception to your everyday rule. But when we're trying to 
to convince ourselves of what we need when it comes from television to our streaming services to our radio stations, satellite radio, podcasting, like what what do we always hear? What's that constant that's been started ever since like uh, you know satellite radio started 20 some odd years ago? Commercial free, commercial free. This is commercial free. You can get this without commercials. Pay a few extra bucks and you won't get any commercials. I've always thought that was interesting and because people then start acting like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want any commercials. But really, I think you actually do. I really do think you, me, and us as a society, we want to be advertised to. If we weren't advertised to, how would we know what the latest, coolest, hippest thing is? How would we know how to keep up with the Joneses, which is what our society is so based around? And I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses, but I want to hear about new stuff that I might not know what it is. And advertising in itself has become such an art form that, to me, I can recognize high-quality advertising, promotional materials, promotional uh, productions. I can I look at that and say, man, that was done really well. I don't know if this product's worth a damn, but that was some good production. And I don't think most people look at it from that aspect, but every year... Hundreds of millions of people, maybe not quite that many, but but tens and tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of people kind of obsess and then turn it into, you know, as we, as we used to call it, water cooler talk or what would now be Facebook uh, thread jibber jabbering about all the great or terrible commercials from the night before. Wait a second. Hold on. I thought I thought we didn't like advertising. I thought we were doing everything we could to get away from advertising. Yet. We're going to spend the next week and the week leading up to it in certain entertainment and social media circles talking about the advertising exclusively. Which one is it? And really, when it comes down to the advertisement of commercial free insert, this programming here is an advertisement in itself. We're trying to sell you a commercial telling you that commercials aren't any good. And if you buy, you follow this commercial's call to action, which is to buy something so you don't have to see any more commercials. But then if you have the lower level of what we're selling, you should still get a couple of commercials. But if you buy it even higher, then you'll get even less commercials. YouTube Red, Hulu, Advanced Plus, or whatever it is, Amazon, and and whoever the hell, Netflix this, Netflix, whatever. I don't know. I don't buy all this stuff. I have Hulu. I have the lowest one. I still get commercials. Pay more and get less commercials. What's a 30-second ad going to bother me? Now, I think we can all agree that the YouTube ads are pretty damn annoying because most of us of a certain age, when YouTube was was new and in, in its first you know handful of maybe half decade, there weren't any, any uh, advertisements. And when those started popping in there, that did kind of cramp our style a little bit because YouTube is kind of an exploration, right? It's not exactly a destination. You don't go there thinking, okay, I'm going to watch the South Park episode for 30 minutes, and if there's a couple commercials, that's fine. I'll go get up and get a drink. That's not how we watch YouTube. We watch YouTube on a whim. We watch YouTube on an impulse, you know, on a, oh, man, a rabbit hole. You know, click, click, click. It's like going to Wikipedia. Next thing you know, you're 25 pages over reading in a completely different subject. Same kind of thing with YouTube. It makes it so much fun. So those advertisements are awfully uh, annoying. But I think people like being advertised to. And from uh, from visual, just 
you know, standstill or, or billboard or electronic billboard out when you're out and about on the roads driving around or to watching TV or watching your iPad or watching your phone. I think that uh, in the end, when you get an advertisement that you actually are being and are being sold on something that you want and like it or not, invasion of privacy or not, clearly, whatever it is that you're interested in, these algorithms have figured out how to pinpoint advertise it's one of the most brilliant ingenious things of the of the technological revolution is that you're not getting advertised things that you don't want you're getting advertised things that you've proven that you do want and i think that uh, i think most people actually do want to be advertised to but uh, there's there's always that that cry out there screaming and no way don't advertise i don't want any commercials and you know, hey, whatever. If you truly don't, you truly don't. I but I just I think it's just it's almost turned into like a cliched, you know, just kind of yearly or or a quarterly argument over something on a Facebook page. All these commercials are pissing me off. I'm not sure that that's entirely true. On the way uh, out of this segment into the final one, this is a uh, track from uh, Neil Young back in the '80s. He did he had to fulfill like three. Um, Albums that he had through his record company, it might have been Epic or Sony. Hell, I don't remember who it was back then. And um, and so he just said, "Okay, I got to do three more." Well, here's three pieces of crap. He did a rockabilly album, an electronic music album for anybody who knew what that was, and then one other one like a blues album. And that's where you'll find this notes for you. It's about uh, selling out to corporate sponsorships. It was the closest thing I could come up with for this segment. I'm gonna get out. I'll get right back into another pretty serious topic and give you a little bit different angle on it. It's the uh, Michigan State, USA Gymnastics, and Larry Nazar. At least that's the beginning of it, and then we'll go from there. That's coming up next on the Stone on Air podcast, the weekly dose for January 31st, 2018. One month. Boom. Already gone. Hang tight. I will be right back. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Did you see the memo about this? Yeah, yeah, I have the memo right here. I just uh, forgot. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Yeah. Did you get that memo? Yeah, I got the memo. And I understand the policy. Did you get that memo? Yeah. Memo. The memo. Memo. The memo. Yeah, I got the memo. I normally know what's happening, too. But in a land of great documents from great leaders like the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, Civil Rights Act, the Emancipation Proclamation, the Monroe Doctrine et al., what are we producing in this day and age? A four-page memo. (laughs) I usually know what's going on. When I saw that, I was like, what the hell is going on? A memo? Since when do we pass legislation or whatever the hell it's called to release a freaking memo? (laughs) I don't know. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with the show.
I say welcome back like if you went anywhere. Um, it's old radio habits, I guess. I didn't know what to play, so I just pulled up some old uh, REM that we're playing over to Alt 98.7. Still loving on the radio station. Hopefully you guys check it out if you get a chance. It's not something you need to listen to every minute of every day. I get it. So Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee disregarding Justice Department warnings for their actions. Warnings that their actions, I should say, would be extraordinarily reckless. Voted Monday evening to release a contentious secret memorandum set to accuse the department and the FBI of misusing their authority to obtain a secret surveillance order on a former Trump campaign associate. I am, I am Superman. And I don't really care about that. I mean, whatever. Release a memo if you feel like it. Uh, Trump just ended the uh, State of the Union. Turns out it was, I've just got a mute here on the uh, on the TV. It says it's the third longest State of the Union address ever. I don't know that that means anything. Don't know that that was calculated, but uh, we'll hear more about that. I did not listen to any of it. Looks like it was pretty typical and pretty standard, and that's fine. That's good. Hopefully it was typical. Hopefully it was standard. That's what it needs to be because that's what it always is. It's a dog and pony show and and, and whatever. That's fine. No, not a problem with that at all. So I wanted to switch gears here on the way out. I went pretty long in the first segment and get back into something that's obviously pretty uh, pretty serious. And it's not exactly new news, but the thing is, it hasn't exactly been new news for well over a year. The um, accusations and the arrest of this dude, Larry Nazar, and I think it's Larry Nazar, the doctor from Michigan State and USA Gymnastics or the therapist or all the whatever he was, exactly lots of different titles. This arrest was a long time ago. And it just started coming out with details in the last, I don't know, how long? Month? Barely? And then for a minute it was shocking, and then that's about it. And there's a lot more going on, and it's a, it's a fluid, you know, continuing story and situation here. But it's interesting to me that in one story that involves college football on one of the highest levels and inappropriate behavior with underage boys, Penn State, 2011, Sandusky, that's a sweeping, completely overtaking, wall-to-wall coverage news story for what seemed like months. Back in, and I remember when it was, because I remember what I was going and what I was doing around that time. I was going to Atlanta to a Foo Fighters show when this story broke. It was in November of 11. So when it's high-end college football and boys, it's wide-sweeping, Wall-to-wall coverage news. When it's gymnastics and girls, well, you know, let's wait and see what the details are, and then we'll come back to that. Oh, there are the details. Uh, let's get outraged for a minute. Let's spend a few days being, uh, you know, being immersed in it, and then dies off. Now, that's two reasons for that, potentially. One is, in 2011, 2012, I mean, it seems kind of weird to say it now, but we were not in the environment that we are now where every single person had a smartphone. Every single person got their their information and and got their manipulation from their handheld device in their hand every single day, all day long. That wasn't a thing yet in 11 and 12. It was starting to become one in 13, 14, and 15, and so on. Lots of people had them. 
Young people had them. Techie, more sophisticated types had them. But not everybody. And as we get closer to the end of this decade, virtually everybody, it rounds up to everybody, has has this kind of um, information device on their person at all times now. So you get your information if you want. You can get it exactly tailored to fit what you want to believe and, and feel. And that's the biggest part of the problem we're running into these days. But that's another conversation for another day. So that might be part of it. It might have been part of the, the reason that there was such outrage and wide-sweeping, dominating coverage for a long period of time because of the Penn State Sandusky story and less opportunity to get slanted or biased opinions on it or or, or things to that nature. Or it's because every year, every you know, as generations blend and fade together, we become more desensitized to monster behavior and just disgustingly awful stories. Just like this talked about on the show a couple weeks ago, the the that kids chained up 20 of them or 6, 10, 12, whatever it is, in a house in suburban you know, California. Oh, my God, I can't believe that happened 10 minutes later. Wait, what was that? What happened there? Where are they? Who are they? What's the deal there? When it happens in Cleveland with the women that were abducted and chained, cha- I mean, sadistically chained up in a, in a basement in a lower-end section of town of Cleveland, Ohio, back in, that was around 2012, too, that seemed to be a bigger story for a longer period of time. I, I'm not really sure why exactly. But it is, it is just interesting to see how we devour information and what we do want and what we don't want. And the media gives you what you do and don't want. Or they try their best to manipulate you into to giving you what they think you want. And in turn, and I don't mean you, the, the listener, you, I mean the generalized you, we, us, kind of adapt to what it is that they're giving us. I'm not sure. that Again, another podcast for another day. This was a great perspective piece, opinion piece, from Sally Jenkins, who is a... Tony Kornheiser regular on his show and uh, still going to be in D.C. in April. Looking forward to that. More on that later. And I've only got portions of this uh, highlighted. USA Gymnastics allowed Larry Nasser to prey upon innocent victims. Congress must investigate. A national organization with the initials USA on it forced young girls to submit to pelvic exams by a child molester. Literally hundreds of them were isolated in mandatory camps and were repeatedly assaulted by a barehanded pedophile for years on end. While nobody cared to notice that no decent doctor would perform such an exam on young girls, much less ungloved. Where in the fresh hell is an independent investigation into USA Gymnastics, and why isn't Congress threatening to smash the U.S. Olympic Committee's charter into pieces with a gravel over this? It's only the worst sex scandal in the history of sports, and maybe in the history of the country. USA Gymnastics not only allowed serial pedophile Larry Nasser unsupervised access to the scores of girls in its charge over 30 years, it required them to submit to him and his utterly unjustifiable vaginal examinations. There was no saying, quote, I don't like this doctor, I want my own. The organization systematically deprived them of any right to, to, say, so, to say no, to ask for alternative treatment. It makes Hollywood rapes look principled. At least Hollywood actresses are adults with mature judgment with which to defend themselves. At least they have some small power of self-determination. The girls and young women who were abused by Nazar under the roof of USA Gymnastics and Michigan State had none of those. The price to be an Olympian was to submit to abuse. There was no other option. It was that or be cut from the program, abandon your talent, surrender your genius.
Camps were mandatory. Treatment was mandatory. Physical exams were mandatory. They were required to sign waivers, releases, agreements, indemnifications, a pile of paperwork that ceded their bodies to the control of others. They were pulled away from their homes for weeks or a month at a time at these camps, isolated from their parents, discouraged from communicating with agents or lawyers. They were not allowed to have visitors, but Nazar could visit. To read that paperwork now is nauseating. The national team agreement required them to submit all reasonable requests for examination or evaluation by medical personnel retained by USA Gymnastics. The chief medical officer was Larry Nazar. Physical therapy was mandatory to maximize your performance. The head trainer for USA Gymnastics was Larry Nazar. Um, what's her name again? I'm going to crumple it up. Sally Jenkins from the USA Today. I just thought that that painted a picture that was worth hearing. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to, obviously, horrible, terrible. We all agree. There's nothing really to talk about in that regard. So we all agree to that. So we'll go to a different angle that I have here is a lot of the conversation that I've been seeing on the Talking Head shows outside the lines from ESPN was actually done a pretty good job for as crappy as ESPN is outside the lines, has good producers, good writers, editors, and hosts. I continually see the same question, and I heard this same question at the turn of the decade with the, with the Penn State case and story. How does this happen? Why does this happen? Why do people cover up? Why do when people hear hear of things, do they not say something? Why if somebody saw something, would they not report it? What what is more important than the the safety of children? All those different variations of questions. And the bottom line answer to that is the average person walking around's own personal greed and selfishness. That's what's more important than the lives of other people. Because at the end of the day, we are a selfish nation. And we care only about ourselves at the expense of others. And if there's and even the most high quality people generally fall into that category. That's me. That's you. That's all of us. It's kind of the it's kind of the unintended consequence of, of the way that our society, our system, big, big capitalistic, uh, a big business, big institutional control or lack thereof goes. And I'm not meaning to say that's awful. I'm just saying that's what it is. Doing well in America and succeeding in America is very difficult. It's very possible. That's what's so good about it. That's the great thing about it is that it's so possible, but it's very, very difficult. It's not easy. And a lot of these big institutions, as, as now Michigan State has a big portion of this too, and I can't even remember all the the, 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 the tangled web that gets USA Gymnastics and, and Michigan State who are there now getting their new allegations. I believe this is a major problem amongst all, uh, uh, I won't say all, many, many, many higher education institutions that are often publicly funded and massive amounts of money being changed hands, corruption, greed, power. It changes the way people interact and react and just dumb it all the way down to your uh to your workplaces that you've had over the years dumb it down take those scales of money and and, and instead of it being millions make it tens of thousands of dollars all right make it maybe hundreds of thousands at the most how many times have you worked in a toxic environment how many times have you worked somewhere where you knew somebody was doing something unethical immoral or potentially illegal i think if you haven't you're one of the few, and you're lucky. I have certainly worked around people who were definitely unethical, totally, and I could prove it tomorrow, illegal, 
as far as their actions and their and the way that the business practices were. And then sometimes, you know, if you want to use immoral, you know, in, in the way they live their lives, which never concerned me near as much as it does some others. But my point being, how many times does that happen to the average person walking around? I'd say it happens a lot. And how many of these people, you, me, us, and everybody walking around, are going to put their their livelihood on the line? Are going to put what they've worked so hard for in jeopardy to whistleblow on people that you know are doing wrong? And I'm talking about small-scale stuff here, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands at the most. Now take the situation, include a lot more people, much more power involved, much more money. We're talking hundreds of thousands on the very bottom end, single millions on the middle end, and tens of millions on the high end. Add in unethical behavior, immoral behavior, and illegal behavior. It's the same damn thing. It's the same thing. Just because you hear whispers of something doesn't mean you're going to be the guy or gal who whistleblows this. That's where all this, here's what I would have done. How could nobody do anything? How could everybody turn a blind eye to all this? I, I would If I saw Sandusky in the showers and there was, I would have beat his ass. You don't know what you would have done in any of these situations because they're bigger and the scope is so much on a different level you can't even understand from your simple little life. My simple little life all of our simple little lives. But if you take a different perspective, which is what I try to always do, and boil it down to something that's a little more easy to understand, yeah, when you know the books are being cooked, when you know you're falsifying sales, when you know that the that the, the, the GM is sleeping with the uh, whoever, with the merchandiser, and he's married with kids, when you know things are happening that are that are technically what you would consider immoral and awful behavior, are you going to be the one that rocks the boat? No, because you're going to be out of a job. And while a lot of people in America have a plan B and a plan C, I'd say a strong, strong, close to half, if not a simple at least majority, don't really have a plan B. And if you do have a plan B, it sucks because you'd already be doing plan B if it was better than plan A. And so that's why things like this happen for decades at Penn State. That's why these things happen for decades at Michigan State and United States uh, gymnastics is because the money got so big, the power got so big, the corruption got so big that there wasn't time to sit down and evaluate what was actually happening because you couldn't be the person who, who, who tried to peel back that piece to look on the other side of that window. Are you going to be the one that starts this? Are you going to be? What if you're wrong? What if this is just hearsay? What if this isn't real? Whose business is it of yours to get involved in this? It's real easy for Sally Jenkins of the Washington Post to write that piece, which is a damn good piece and a very true and real piece. It's real easy for Jeremy Schapp to sit around on ESPN, a guy who should know better because he comes from his dad, Dick Schapp, a couple of the better generational sports writers in America in modern history. And sit around, I don't understand why this happens. This doesn't make any sense. What's more important than the safety of children? You know what's more important? My life my bottom line, my family, and everything I've worked my whole life for. Mind your own damn business, bro. That's a real mindset, and that and that's not a mindset that you should have to apologize for. It's the nature of the beast of what we do. So the question of how does this happen, it's really simple how it happens. We have a demented, sed- sexually, sadistically, disastrously weird society these days in the modern technology era fueled by pornography and internet and different ways of communication. And the under dark belly of the internet and chat rooms and everything else, 
We have power, greed, and corruption from the lower, middle, and upper levels of all institutions and the fight to hold on to what you've worked on for so long. You put all those things together and you, you get terrible stories like this that somebody might have had an idea what's going on, but the last thing they're going to do is go screw up what they've worked their whole life for and give up that paycheck and that, and that well-being and that safety net that they've built for their family or for their life situation. It's not hard to understand. And it's not hard to feel sympathetic for. It's not hard for me to say, I don't, I don't think I'd have done anything either. What do you want me to do about it? I'm just some dude. And then when you boil it all the way down and put it back on a regular level of tens of thousands at the bottom and hundreds of thousands at the top, which we can all identify with, yeah, I know those were fraudulent sales. I know that the IRS would audit you for that. Yeah, I know that going all the way back to talking about the Tennessee Department of Transportation and falsifying logs, I know that we're out there on the law. We've got drivers on the road that are that are intoxicated. And and let me, I should have said that earlier. I have known several times of people on the roads working for companies I've worked with who were effed up out of their minds. What if they killed somebody like that dude did on the interstate that day? I knew that that was happening. Why didn't I tell somebody? What's more important than the safety of people on the roads? My well-being and my life, man. Mind your own business, dude. I can't save the world. It's pretty easy. It's not hard to understand. Now, when you put it in such a horrific story that makes people's stomach turn and is disgusting, it's, you know, that's people really quick to be like, here's what I would have done. You don't know, man. You don't know. You don't know the scope of it. You don't understand. You weren't there. But you should be able to at least understand if you put it into something that makes more sense and something that's more in in your you know in your world, which I always suggest that people do. All right, I've gone uh, long again. I'm going longer and longer every week, so I'm gonna get out of here. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, let's see, Alt 98.7 each and every Monday through Friday, three to seven. Uh, gonna be in D.C. at Tony Kornheiser's studio to do the first spring tour stop or the first tour stop of the year, which will be the spring tour stop in April. And that's just about it for right now. So I am going to get on out of here. I appreciate it. Do not be a fraud. The truth is easy to remember. White lives matter. Black lives matter. All lives matter. And uh, y'all have a good day. See you later. Ha!